King Arthur. We've seen him pull a sword from a stone. We've seen him meet the lady in the lake. We've seen him quest for the Holy Grail. We've never seen him surf, which makes bitter Corella wonder. Why, 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 why is this not a movie? Hello and welcome to Why Is This Not a Movie, the podcast where we look at a moment in history or a book or a story we can rip from the headlines and ask Hollywood why no one's ever put it onto the big screen. I'm Mike Vago, author and regular contributor to the AV Club. This week I'm joined by Bitter Corella, creator of graphic novels like Malleus Maleficarum and Misunderstanding Comics, host of the podcast A Special Presentation or Alpha Will Not Be Seen Tonight, which talks about 80s animated specials based on newspaper comics, and is also in the Midnight Society, a Twitter account you can find it at midnight underscore pals, where history's greatest horror writers swap story ideas and act like their worst selves. Thanks for coming to the show and tell us about your idea for King Arthur in modern day Southern California. Hey, thanks for having me. So my, my idea was, this is a, a, an idea based on, I guess, a story. King Arthur's a story, not a historical event, right? I think. It's one of those weird things where he's a myth that might have been a real guy, and we don't know. Okay, so it's a little bit of both, we'll say. The basic idea of, of my King Arthur story is, the name of this movie is Surf's Up. Surf is spelled with an E because... King Arthur lives in times we had serfs. Ah, actually, I, I believe he lived before serfs. I think he was pre-medieval. But anyway, that, that's okay. That's okay. This story begins in Arthurian England, and things are not going good for our boy King Arthur because, as you know from the King Arthur story, his kingdom is under siege by the evil forces of his wicked stepsister Morgana Le Fay, and the knights of the Round Table are all in despair. And even worse, King Arthur's marriage is on the rocks with Queen Guinevere because the king is just, he's just too dour. He's just sad all the time because of all these troubles that are facing England. And so it finally comes down to uh, one last battle. And this is the big battle between Arthur's forces and Morgana's forces. And if Arthur wins, Morgana's going to be defeated forever. But if he loses, then England is completely forfeit. So things are going bad for Arthur in this, but he rallies his forces. It looks like he might actually win. But then at the very last moment, Morgana casts a spell and in a blast of power, Arthur is thrown through a portal into a strange and distant land. And Arthur awakes on an unfamiliar beach. He's wandering around on this beach, right? He's in a daze. He doesn't know where he is. And he's suddenly approached by a group of blonde preppy guys on ATVs. And they're all like, uh, hey, hey, old man, get off this beach. This beach is like the exclusive property of Mordred and the Mordrednocks. See, because Mordred is the name of uh, Morgana's evil son. Did I mention that already? No. Okay. Well, it is. So, so Arthur is like, he's all like, what, what witchcraft is this? And they're throwing him off the beach. And he's wandering around and he realizes that he is not in England anymore. He's in a strange place. There are these big buildings, there are roads, there are cars. He is in modern day Southern California. He's so confused, right? He's, he's walking around. Uh, there's a, probably a scene where he like goes, he sees like a cutlery store where they have one of those big suits of armor out front. And he's all like, ah, knight of the realm, thou must help me in mine quest. And, you know, and, and of course, it's just an empty suit of armor, so nothing happens. And probably some guy throws him out, like, get out of here, you crazy English guy. So, so Arthur is, uh, he, he's lost, and he, he needs to get back to uh, old-timey England. And what happens is he's walking around, and he bumps into 
an environmental activist, a young woman. She's got the big 80s glasses. She's got her hair pulled back into a really severe bun. She's got these unflattering high-waisted 90s shorts. She's got a big sign, you know. She tells Arthur that the evil, that there's a developer who's trying to develop the beach, developer Morgan Le Fay. And she's all upset trying to save the beach because the beach is the home of some sort of endangered animal. Preferably, it would be like some animal that is associated with the Arthurian legend that is also a sea life. Um, I, don't, I can't think of one, so I'll just say like crabs. There's some sort of endangered crab on the beach she's trying to save. But she tells Arthur like, oh, you're not in England. You're in like California. And it's the, it's the 20th century, man. And Arthur's like, how am I? I this isn't beef. And um, she also tells Arthur that there's a big surf contest. And if you win the surf contest, the prize for the surf contest is the rights to the beach, right? So whoever wins the surf contest gets the beach, which is why Morgan Le Fay is trying to win that contest. But even more so, there's a trophy. And that trophy is, of course, the Holy Grail. Nobody knows it, right? But Arthur sees it. He sees a picture and he realizes it's a Holy Grail because, of course, he can recognize it. So he's, that's a big part of his thing. So he's like, if I fight the Holy Grail, it's got powers. It can send me back to England. So he's got to win that contest. But he can't do it alone. So he starts looking for help to win this contest. And he knows he's got to find the Knights of the Round Table. But since it's the 20th century, they're not around anymore. So he's got to find the descendants of the Knights. And... This is the problem because it turns out that they're all losers. Like he finds Merlin or the descendant of Merlin. And Merlin is, uh, he's like some burned out stoner hippie running like a junk shop on the beach or something, right? And uh, Arthur's meets him and he's like, oh, thou art Merlin, the greatest wizard of the ages. And Merlin's like, oh, I'm no wizard, man. I, I can't do anything. I can't do magic. So Arthur's got to help him get his confidence back so he can do magic. And as they're going to the junk shop, they see in the back, there's a surfboard just wedged between some rocks. And uh, Merlin's like, oh, that's just some old surfboard. Uh, you know, they say it used to belong to the greatest surf champion in the world. But, you know, it's just been wedging that rock for years. No one did pull it out. But then Arthur just pulls it out, right? And Merlin's like, oh, my God, maybe you are King Arthur. And the camera zooms in on the surfboard to reveal that it says Excalibur on it. Ah, because Excalibur uh-huh. is the sword. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's like poetry. It all rhymes. I just want to interrupt to say, I love how much detail you've already put into this. Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about this movie. <laughs> um, I'll try not to like get too granular. because Oh, just, no, I'm, it's, it's a podcast. We can go on as long as we want. Oh, excellent. That's the good thing about these things. It's not like we have to, oh, we got to fit, fit it in 20 minutes to get in the, uh, the Blue Apron ads or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Fortunately, oh, yeah. I don't have any sponsors. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> This will be the one that changes. If people are going to hear this, go, like, this yes. movie is great. This movie is such a good idea. We need to sponsor this podcast. The, the running joke we've had in a bunch of episodes is the impossible dream is like somebody in Hollywood's going to hear this podcast and be like, that movie, the King Arthur surfing movie. You know, here's a big pile of money. Write the script right now, the two of you. <laughs> well, so, you know, you're listening, uh, Hollywood. any Hollywood people listening, you know, my DMs are open. So, so uh, where was I? Oh, Merlin, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's got to find the other Knights of the Round Table. And so he goes around and there's like a montage where he's tracking them down. And uh, it turns out like he's, he finds like Sir Galahad's descendant who is like this, 
you know, like a nerd with like big Coke bottle glasses, the kind who's like, well, by my calculations, uh, there's no way we can win the surf contest. And he finds like Lancelot, who's a, a big fat guy who really loves eating sandwiches. Like there's, there should be a scene where like they're, they're going to be surfing, but there's a big bite out of his surfboard. And King Arthur's like, why are there a bite in thine surfboard? And Lancelot is all like, oh, you know, the farting tuba music plays because, you know, comedy. So basically every archetype from like an 80s kids movie. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's, there's probably like Gawain too. I think he's a knight and I, I don't know. There's probably a third kind of person you get in an 80s movie, you know, like it would be like, um, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave some of that for when they, they give me the money to actually write the movie. But uh, they're, they're trying to get surfing ready. But then um, as they're doing this, as they're getting ready, King Arthur hears a voice behind him, right? And it's voice saying like, so I hear you're putting together a surf team. He turns around and it turns out it's that protester girl from earlier. But now she's wearing like a, a swimsuit and she's got her hair down. And it turns out she's actually really hot. <laughs> and I mean, total twist with this one. And, and Arthur, he's all like, oh, a wedge cannot surf. And she's like, you just watch me. And she does this perfect, you know, surfing thing, uh, like hanging 10 and all that. And um, Merlin's sunglasses fall off because it's so amazing. And, you know, then she's all like, you know, so did I make the team? And Arthur's like, what is thy name? And she's like, it's Guinevere. Because, <laughs> you know, like his wife. Anyway, now this ragtag team comes together because they got to surf, but you know, they're, 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 they're just not doing it. They're not coming together. So King Arthur decides, well, you know, I need them to, in order to teach him to surf. I'm going to use my medieval skills. So we're going to do jousting. And as we joust, it'll, it'll make us more cohesive as a team. So we'll know how to, to surf for real. So they, they have a bunch of wacky scenes of them falling off horses and stuff. Uh, you know, like it's stuff like that. But then, like, the, the team is like, Arthur, you know, your, your, your problem is you don't enjoy life. You're too dour all the time because of your sadness in England. So we're going we're gonna to show you how to party, you know, uh, uh, 20th century style. So they take him to, to like, a restaurant. And, well, first, they, they probably do, like, a montage where they take him out, like, and, and buy him clothes, you know, like, modern clothes. And then they take him to, like, a restaurant. And this would be a really good merchandising tie-in with round table pizza so <laughs> assuming that they survived this pandemic and anyone from round table pizza is listening uh you know this will this could be your mac and me uh this film so so they'll take him there or or possibly like what is what is the name of the restaurant where people joust oh medieval times they, thank you yes medieval That's times. Where I going. yeah that could work too right and that would be good because while they're watching the joust, King Arthur might be like, oh, there's a, a the Black Knight. And he like jumps in and starts fighting the guy. I'm like, no, Literally. it's all a show. I also, just to back yeah. up a second, when, when they're doing the like sort of pretty woman montage, taking my shopping, I'm just picturing him being super dour through the whole thing and just like <laughs> trying on like silly hats and stuff and like wrap around shades and just being like, no. Exactly. He's just like, he's like, oh, the, the weight of the crown hangs heavy on yeah, my head. So and they're like, get rid of that crown and put on a, you know, I don't know, a, 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 a rude dog hat or something. <laughs> um, I don't know what you would wear if you were a, like in a, a surf thing. I guess one of those body glove hats or AMC surf characters, if those are, if kids still remember those. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> sorry. So 
but his training methods pan out and, and they're doing great. Uh, so great that Morgan Le Fay hears about it and she's worried. She's like, this Arthur might be a problem. And then the scene, this scene is going to be the scene where she's in her boardroom. She's got like the model of the condos that she's going to build. You know, she's, she's got them on her desk and she's there in her big shoulder pad, eighties businesswoman thing. And Mordred is probably like lying there in a tanning booth. And he's like, oh, that, that loser is nothing. And she's like, don't be overconfident. I need you in top physical shape for this, this contest because you got to, you, know, you got to beat Arthur. And so of course she sends Mordred out to like sabotage uh, Arthur's surfboard using, uh, he saws it or something, you know, he, he does something to sabotage it. So when it comes to the day of the surf contest, um, you know, Arthur go goes out on his surfboard and Mordred goes on him, his, uh, I guess first there should be some preliminary contests, you know, so that the other characters have stuff to do, but with the big, the big one, it's Arthur on his surfboard, Mordred on his surfboard. They go out. Arthur's surfboard falls apart because it's been sabotaged. And everyone's like, oh, no. But then a hand comes out of the water and throws him like another surfboard, <laughs> like a really sweet one, the, the best. So, um, so suddenly everyone's, oh, my God, it's, 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 he's going to win. And Arthur wins the surfing contest. They're all excited. They have, uh, you know, he does the thing where he – He's like, I declare this victory to be awesome or whatever <laughs> slang they've taught him over the course of the film. He gets the rights to the beach, which he gives to, to Guinevere. And um, he also gets the, the Holy Grail. And then there's a scene where you know, there's tearful goodbyes. And uh, Merlin is something like, you showed me how to do magic again, man, just by believing in myself. And, uh, and Arthur's like, the magic was in the self the whole time or <laughs> something like that. And he gets the Holy Grail, transports him back to England. And he's back in England, but he's still got to defeat Morgana Le Fay, the original one, played by the same actress, okay. of course. Uh, I, I should mention that. It's very important that the same actors play <laughs> <laughs> the old-timey knights and the modern ones. Well, this if, is, movies this... have taught me, if movies have taught me anything, it's that direct descendants people look exactly like those same people. Exactly, 100%. Like the, and that, the, that's the just science. Back, the real lesson of the Back to the Future. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't argue with that. That's genetics. Um, it's science. <laughs> so he, he returns and he's still got to defeat Morgana Le Fay. So he rallies his knights. He's no longer dour. He's excited and he's happy and, and his and enthusiasm is infectious. And, and with that, the knights are able to defeat the force of Morgana Le Fay. And then he's all like, we shall go back to mine castle to celebrate like 20th century style. And Guinevere, the, the original Guinevere, she's all like, my leash, thou art altered. And Arthur pushes his sunglasses down his nose like this. And he's like, winks at the camera. And then it says in big letters, the end with like three question marks. And then <laughs> credits will roll. So that is, that, is my, uh, that is my pitch for Surf's Up. <laughs> the this is terrific. Arthurian uh, surf film. So who do you see directing this? Oh, well, gosh. Um, director because i have zero I, questions because this all holds up <laughs> um i guess the, who is the guy who actually directed revenge of the nerds was there one guy who directed all four revenge of the nerds no, i feel no. like there must be because they're such a cohesive series of films i'm pulling this up on imdb it is uh jeff canoe k-a-n-e-w oh i i i've never heard of him but he sounds great i think he would be good for this um, um huh he was an editor on ordinary people huh 
directed 22 films. He's still working. He only has two credits since 2013. Oh, okay. And he's mostly um, in course, but he did a movie called The Legend of Awesomeness Maximus. That sounds pretty. That, that sounds. I think he's qualified. I think he, he qualifies. Huh, he directed um, I would Beverly say, Hills, V.I. Wachowski, but he did not return to the rest of the nerd series. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, um, but we kind of forget that first one was kind of rapey. That's true. Um, well, I will say, I think um, important for this is someone who has a real kind of trash sensibility. So uh, other people I could think of, uh, Rolf Konefsky, I think is his name. I forget what he's directed, but he's directed a whole lot of sex comedy trash through the 80s and 90s, as well as uh, David Dakota, who is uh, most famous for Talking Cat, but people forget that he's also directed a whole lot of uh, sex comedy trash, <laughs> as well as some horror movies. But uh, and he's also famous for, of course, if he directed it, there'd have to be a lot of scenes of, of dudes like showering in their tidy whities but I think we could work that in. I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> It's not really a deal killer. I mean, they're on the beach in California. I think it's going to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if they're like... Um, who did Wet Hot American Summer? Because that, that was, he was on my list, David Wayne. Oh, really? Yeah, I, my, my process ended with him. I was, my first thought was with Lord and Miller. But they did Clone High, which is a little too close to this. Like, they're a little too <laughs> on the nose. They're very good at, like, just cobbling together sort of the detritus of pop culture into something amazing. But I feel like this is weirdly like they're too highbrow for this, despite having done <laughs> some pretty ridiculous stuff. And then I thought maybe Tim and Eric. Yeah, actually. such an absurdist movie they could have fun with. But then I landed on David Wayne because, like there's a training montage in Wet Hot American Summer and it's set in the 80s and he clearly has an affection for like trashy 80s movies like this. And Absolutely. gets the tone and, and also gets the, I don't know, kind of, he does absurdist referential kind of humor well because the wet hot uh, the movie and the netflix series there were a lot of 80s signifiers without it being like oh here's the thing you recognize in pop culture yes you know yes. like there's a there's a there's kind of a, a like a lazy way to do it and a smart way to do it and wayne is somebody that i trust to do it kind of the smart like to make a smart dumb movie absolutely no i know what you mean like uh, uh, uh someone who was uh who didn't get it would just be like hey they're all using Rubik's cubes. You remember that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like that was a thing of the time period, but it's not part of the vibe of those films. Like those films weren't just a catalog of things that are happening now. There's, like, like you said, there's even a, like movies from the eighties weren't full of like fads from the eighties. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because like there's only the only movie the exception to that is like Terror Vision, which is a bizarre film if you've ever seen it. I don't know that one, no. Um, it, it's basically about like an alien coming through a television set and eating a family. It's, it's extremely goofy, but it's weird. Cause when you watch it, you're like, Oh, this is clearly a movie made in 2020 trying to be like a stranger things, eighties homage. And it's oh, like, okay. no, it's an actual eighties film where everyone is just dressed like an eighties caricature. It's very weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think that's a really good choice though. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, David wins on both of our lists. And I think he's contractually obligated. <laughs> so that's how this show works. Excellent. I think this, so. What? Oh, sorry. Oh no! This, I was just going to get into get into the cast. Yeah. And yeah. you keep talking about how dour King Arthur is, and I think there's an age problem with him and whoever Guinevere. But seeing Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. Uh, who did he? Who did he play? He was uh, Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Like the yeah. The person in the entire kingdom. Like. Yes. No, that's perfect, actually, especially because. And also, real British and regal, and like. Yes. Because I that think is... your Arthur has to be the straight man in this, who's like just totally 
indignant and nodded on the shenanigans and just. Absolutely. No, you're right. Because I think um, what I was thinking is like, this has to be kind of like, almost like an airplane where it's like, look, we're going to hire extremely serious, like take me serious actors. And that's going to make the absurdism actually work rather than hiring comedic actors. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that he is such a, he's so serious that would make him like wearing sunglasses at the end, like actually like hysterical as opposed to, oh, well, you know, there's a guy who's, I, I don't know, like uh, who, uh, a, a funny English actor. Yeah, like it was Will Ferrell. We kind of knew all along he was going to be yeah. you know, goofy by the end of it. Exactly. Like, I, I think that's a real, I, that's perfect. I like that. I'm, I'm sticking with that. <laughs> all right. I really, I should have asked you first. So I'll ask you first. Oh. Uh, who, do you have, who do you have for Morgan Le Fay? So Morgan Le Fay, like some of these, I kind of just went with like, the casting I thought would be perfect regardless of how old the actor is now. So I'm just assuming that like some of these actors, I assume they're all still alive, but like <laughs> uh, the perfect one I think would be uh, Kathy Moriarty, who I mostly remember as playing Corrigan or Kerrigan in the Casper movie. Cause she plays, uh, she's the one who's like dibs at Eric Idle the whole time uh, because <laughs> she is just this, the perfect kind of like bitchy, um, Ice Queen, 80s businesswoman feel. The other one I would pick would be Catherine O'Hara, who was um, De- Lydia Dietz in uh, Beetlejuice, who's kind of oh, a same vibe. Not Lydia, sorry. Uh, Delia, Delia, the mom. And as the internet is shocked to learn, is also in Schitt's Creek. Oh, is she? Oh, that's right. She's Moira, isn't she? There was a whole thing in, tw- uh, like a whole blow up on Twitter where some, um, some pop culture magazine, clearly staffed by very young people, was like, I just found out that the mom from Home Alone is the same actor. Like, Yes, actors <laughs> play different roles in different things over time. It's like amazing. This. It's like, so it turns out, well, that's, that's part of aging where you suddenly, you see people rediscovering things all, which is like that thing that took the internet by storm a few years ago, where it's like, did you see this crazy thing where Garfield like dies, you know, because he has this dream where he's dead. It was like, yeah, I, I remember that because I read it in the newspaper when it first happened. And I didn't realize this had been forgotten by pop culture at large. <laughs> because so um yeah but you know kids they, they just rediscover things to back up one name kathy morardi is uh, still alive she's 60 she's still working she was in a tv movie in the arms of danger this year in a movie called crabs in a bucket she's done several laws in order um, nice she's on this is us she's she's still working so you could absolutely uh put her in awesome there. but again um, Catherine O'Hara is a national treasure and Canadian yeah. national treasure, and you can put her in anything. Oh, I didn't know she was Canadian. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> I don't want no Canucks in this. It'll she's destroy the believability. Maybe she, maybe she isn't, but I say. <laughs> I can say Canuck, right? That's that's yeah. not a slur or anything. If, okay. I mean, you're going to get canceled, but. Oh, no. I, I, I'm being problematic. <laughs> um, um, but who would you say? You I had, a, again, uh, this is, I, I went in the other direction with the angels not lining up. Uh, I had Aubrey Plaza. Hmm. Because she, oh. she was such a good scenery-chewing villain in Legion. Wow. Actually, that's a good choice as well. Because she's got the, uh, the resting bitch face when she wants it, you know? Yeah. Well, like her, yeah, her character yeah. on uh, Parks and Rec was just... Yeah. No, that's a really good choice. I like that. That's pretty inspired, I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you could, I might have to go with that. You could go either way. And I feel like maybe if you're really going straight-up 80s movie, you kind of maybe want an older actress. Hmm. You know, as the like scheming villain, especially if she's in like a corporate boardroom. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it doesn't make sense to have like twenty something <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. Oh, you put you put so, you age her up like Star Trek. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who else is in the movie? We also have uh, Guinevere, 
who I thought, and this is, I don't know about this one, but the, the, the name I always thought of was uh, Megan Ward, who is, um, if you ever seen the movie Freaked, uh, she plays literally this character in that movie. Oh, okay. Um, she's also in a, another old movie called PCU, which was kind of like, I guess, part of the death knell of 80s sex comedies. Campus comedy, and, yeah. Yeah, and she played a character, again, kind of the, uh, you know, the, the cool girl who's also the kind of nagging voice of reason. Uh, which is which is kind of the the part that I think. Well, I mean, if you're in, it doesn't necessarily age well. Exactly. It's like in basically in the '80s, if you were a woman of a certain age, you were old enough to play a witch, or you were young enough to play that character. You know that that right, was it. Exactly. And so the. But I don't know if she's still. I think she's still working. But. Oh yeah, she is. I was just looking at her IMDb. She's been in. Ton- she's been in tons of stuff. I didn't think about her being like when you said hipster environmental activist. I didn't, th- I didn't put it together until the surprise at the end that she was also going to be married to Arthur. So the age difference is about two generations off. <laughs> so I, I'm going to veto my own suggestion. But for some reason, the first person I thought it was Kamiko Glenn, who was huh. on, she was so, so on Orange is the New Black. She was um, Stephanie Stilton on Bojack. She's done a lot of voice work, but she was also like a really snotty hipster, like vintage clothing store clerk on Broad City. Oh, And so she's yeah. like this super earnest activist who goes to jail for her beliefs on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> and so I can just kind of see her doing both sides of that but she's also like 20 and looks 15 so <laughs> probably well, should be married to 74 year old charles dance well again you just, even you for just, an 80s movie that's a bit of a <laughs> it's a bit i guess it's pushing a little bit but you know what again like you know uh, movie magic you just do the thing like they when they when they when they did the thing to the guy oh my god i can't remember who's it with the man the man in tron the main oh, man in Jeff Bridges, yeah. Thank you. I can't believe I can remember his name. Um, Jeff Bridges, where they, they made him into a weird plastic face de-aging process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, and you look at it and you're like, I totally believe that's a young man. Although <laughs> like a I weird feel like grabbing actors, actresses from 80s movies is probably the better play. As long as we're just like, you know, spitballing, we might as well go for the gusto and just be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah this no, I think, I think you had the better, you had the better, uh, <laughs> you had the better suggestion this time. And so let me think. Some of the other ones are a little. Uh, I wasn't well, too that sure. That being said, I did. I did kept thinking as like one of the burnout hippie like surfers. Jeff Bridges was maybe too on the nose. Mm. I think it's a good one for like Merlin. Like Jeff Bridges is kind of got that like that very particular energy where he's kind of a hippie, kind of a stoner, kind of a dork, kind of a dad dork as well. Oh, um, actually, speaking of Tron, mm-hmm. when. Um, I'm blanking on who directed that, but when, when he wanted to revive Tron, he was like, well, we can't do this Jeff Bridges. So he got a meeting with Jeff Bridges, went to his house, and was like, here's what I want to do. I want to bring back Tron. I want you to be in it. You've been trapped in the computer the whole time, but there's also a young version of you. And he pitches this whole bananas idea for a Tron reboot to Jeff Bridges, and he's like, hang on a minute, man. And he walks out of the room. And he's like, oh, no, I'm just like, I need Jeff Bridges to work. And he thinks I'm nuts. And he's alien. And he walks back in wearing the Tron helmet, which he has in his house. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess he must be a fan then. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's also a big nerd and is on board for this stuff. Excellent. Well, he would be perfect, I think. Jeff Bridges is like, I think is like for the Merlin character, you almost need like a character, uh, an actor that like the audience would be like, kind of like, oh, it's kind of a dadish dad character almost because he's the, the mentor of because even in the knights of the round table he's the old man of the group exactly yeah and it is funny if he's actually younger than than arthur in this although has <laughs> the plays the so i think like jeff bridges are really good because i was having trouble thinking of someone who could really fit that particular like because i can think of plenty of people who play like 
hippies or stoners or kind of dorks, but there's no one who kind of like encompasses all those things in one. And also has kind of a mystic quality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can get Seth Rogen to be your like hippie burnout guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe him as a wizard. That's it. Like, that's the key is like, he also has to be like an actual wizard as well. And like, I like, could buy like Sam Elliott as a hippie and a wizard, but maybe not a burnout. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause I was thinking, I was trying to think like, I mean, the obvious is everyone would be like, oh, hippie, uh, get Tommy Chong, but he's a burnout, but he's not quite a hippie, you know? And then there's like, remember Jim Brewer? And it's like, he's like a very stoner looking guy. I mean, I remember him in a stoner movie and like literally nothing else ever. Uh, Bobcat Goldwaith was one I thought of, but I was like, I mean, because he's got like this weird manic energy that kind of fits magic, but he's also like just, I mean, I don't believe him as a mentor type guy. So Yeah, he's uh, somebody who I feel like you need to throw him in there somewhere because he was in this kind yeah. of comedy and... Like, I feel like maybe if one of the, like, you know, like the knights, you've got like the, the nerd, the, 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 the fat guy. If there's like a kind of a weird slob one, kind of, he'd be basically playing his police academy part. Yeah. There. So like that, that's the Gawain character. He's also, <laughs> if, if we, if we can't get David Wayne in this fictional thing, he's also moved on to directing. That's right. I forgot about that. I feel so. like this would be up his alley. Cause he, he said he won't do, at least in stand up he won't do that voice and that sort of persona. I imagine it, uh, it takes yeah, be hell on throat. throat. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hearing it, you, you can hear the, the larynx just peeling apart. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, like Howie Mandel, like, had, like, an injury to his face from doing this, like, high-pitched little kid voice that he used to do for a cartoon. Oh, Bobby's World, yeah. Yeah, he did the Bobby voice in his stand-up, and I couldn't remember the name. And he did that show for years, and so then that fueled, like, more people wanted to hear that in his stand-up. And then he somehow, like blew out his like sinuses or something and was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> now, <laughs> Every, I'm reality ho- now I'm a reality show judge and that's it. Like, everyone, and oh, man, we, lo- we lost something that day because everyone <laughs> in the stand-up comedy series, oh, if only, if only Bobby would come back. We really want to hear, hello, aren't you me, Bobby? This is my world. I, I forget what Bobby actually sounds like now. That's not- <laughs> and it's also one of those things that like, he struck gold with and then very quickly got sick of and was stuck doing for the rest of his life. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Jeff Bridges as the uh, hippie burnout who's the descendant of Merlin. Yes. Who do you think the descendant of Galahad is the big like 80s movie nerd? Oh, so the big nerd, I was having a lot of trouble. I was seeing like Anthony Michael Hall or Robert Carradine, someone who literally was in Revenge of the Nerds. But I mean, that, that was the best I could think of. But like, they're, they're not quite nerdy enough. <laughs> Um, it needs to be someone who's more like almost like um, like a nerd energy that you would get in like a kid show the nerd in a kid show who's like I just invented like some wacky thing in like oh, my right, mind right. Cal- you know like a brainy smurf almost type yeah that's like right? not what actual nerds are like at all yeah exactly real nerds something... are just like super angry about Star Wars maybe oh God, whoever played brainy well, smurf it's probably Frank Welker I, ha- I, I am ashamed that I know this but uh, Fred Armisen played brainy smurf in the recent like CGI Wait, you mean the the uh, Portlandia guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> my 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 kids were exactly the right age for those movies, and I unfortunately. So it's all right. I I saw them. I remember because I saw it, and I was like, "Why is there a Scottish Smurf now? <laughs> what what's up with that?" <laughs> because Mike Myers could not let go of the idea that a Scottish accent is inherently funny, and so we got Shrek, and then. Oh, was that Mike Myers? Plus Scottish. Was he was Mike Myers playing the Scottish Smurf? No, 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 but just that he, he was Scottish in Shrek and that, I think, oh, I think, you know, 
movie, some movie executives were like, oh, you've got to have a Scottish accent now if it's a yeah. kid's movie. Yeah, it's like the, if there's one thing kids love, it's Scots. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I mean, they love Uncle Scrooge. They love uh, other Scottish characters who probably exist. I, I don't remember others, but, um, but yeah. Scotty um, from Star Trek, who is Scottish and his name is Scotty. That's true, which is uh, convenient in case he ever forgets where he's from. Exactly. And I'm wondering whether the whole fleet is on that system. <laughs> We're losing the shields, Mr. Frenchie. Bonjour, Capitan. <laughs> Ready the transporters, Mr. Federated States of Micronesia. <laughs> um, oh, so for Galahad, for the 80s movie nerd, uh, I had Christopher Mintz Plass, who was McLovin. In Super oh. He's really the closest thing we have to a contemporary 80s movies nerd. Yeah, no, that's actually a good good pick. I like that. I com- can't believe I forgot about McLovin. <laughs> I, I think um, Galen Matarazzo from Stranger Things, who's Dustin. Mm. Oh, actually, that would I mean, be a that's good going one. Even, that's going even younger. Yeah, well, he's, he grew up. He's old now, isn't he? I, mean, I get they're all kind of old. There's a yeah. I pitched him to Steph, too, for the um, Interstellar Pig episode as the, as the lead, because there's kind of a running joke in the show when I don't know any young actors, so I just go back to the Stranger Things cast. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, um, now I think about it. You can't really go wrong putting them in. Yeah, yeah. They're actually, they would fit in this. It's perfect, especially for this one. So, um, yeah, no, actually, I would, I I think Dustin would be a really good pick for that one. I mean, I do feel like you're picking sort of 80s actors who were in these movies originally, and I'm picking younger actors. I feel like you kind of maybe want to do one or the other. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Maybe not, though. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're offering uh, uh, choices to the network executives who are no doubt like on the edge of their seats listening to this. <laughs> they got to know. So I think the other night, uh, Lancelot, who's the, the big fat guy who loves sandwiches, I think like if I'm going like old, kind of a John Belushi character, but you know, someone who's got like kind of like manic fat guy energy. The person for some bizarre reason I, I kept thinking of was uh, Ken Hudson Campbell, who was the fat guy in Herman's head. And I don't know that he's ever been in anything else. He played like uh, the embodiment of like uh, lust in this head in this beloved Fox sitcom from like 1993 to 1993 later in the year. This was um, the very early years of Fox when they would try anything. Yeah, anything. It was just and one of the only live action TV roles from Yardley Smith who plays Lisa Simpson. That's right. I remember like watching that as a child and being to my family like, that is Lisa Simpson. I know that voice. And they were all like, and they were like, oh, shut up. I did not recognize that Hank Azaria was on that show, though. Well, I pulled up Ken Hudson Campbell. Did the Simpsons just poach from Herman's head to put their cast in? <laughs> well, it's such a, such a rich vein. Exactly. From. <laughs> if somebody watched that show, it was like, clearly this cast is going places. Yeah, yeah. But I just pulled up Ken Hudson Campbell's IMDb. Still working. He's on a show called Adventures in Wonder Park. He was in Armageddon. Oh, oh, that's right. He played... The, uh, the cook, because he's a big fat guy, and he got uh, a greasy apron, and I think a big cigar, and they were like, you know. He was the, oh, he was the voice of Baby Bob, which was a short-lived CBS sitcom about like a sort of CGI talking baby. Oh, I, I, I mean, I hear that, and I'm like, I'm doing this cigarette drag. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah. Baby Bob, that's wow. Rightly, rightly forgotten, but. Wasn't it originally a Quiznos ad that became a TV oh series? Oh my God, you're right. Yes. Before it's, they tried that spunk it's monkey even worse thing, than I remember. Oh boy! Oh, when we when we do a spinoff, why was this a TV show? <laughs>
or I, I guess if uh, How Did This Get Made decides to branch out of the TV, there's there's a lot to work with. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm we've, sorry. We, we've gotten way far okay. away from uh, um, the Arthur movie. So uh, Lancelot, um, I, I, I thought Ken Hudson Campbell, Seth Rogen pro- might be a good pick for that. Uh, I don't know who else would be. Uh, he slimmed down a little bit to be the... Uh, oh, no, I don't like that. He's not stuff eating. Oh, that's that's bad. When um, I don't know. Are there any like? Are there any like? Um, I feel like so bad. Saying, are there any, any fat guys in Hollywood these days? I don't know. Um, you would put him in like the fat Thor suit if like Chris Hemsworth can look like he's out of shape. Sure. Oh yeah, there you go. It's like the <laughs> nutty professor thing. It'd be really funny um, to have it be like Jason Momoa, <laughs> <laughs> just in La La La, in like Eddie Murphy latex, just pretending <laughs> to be the guy who can't stop eating. <laughs> Actually, well, that'd be good. The other person I had is I feel like it's like Southern California laid back surfers. We got to put Owen Wilson in there somewhere. Oh, actually, so yeah. I had, I had him as Mordred. He'd be a good Mordred because he's got like the laid back surfer vibe. He can also play a little bit creepy. He's got like, I've seen him like, not like, not like Letcher's creepy, but almost like this kind of detached creepiness sometimes. Have you ever seen Minus Man? No, no, I haven't. He was a, like, charming, laid-back, small-town serial killer. Oh, yeah, who, yeah. Like, romances and, you know, maybe is going to murder Jane Garofalo. Okay, yeah. See, that's, that's a good one for Mordred, because it's got to be someone who can kind of do, like, a little bit of menace, but almost in a frat boy sort of way. Oh, yeah. Like, like I was thinking for that role, I, I was thinking, like, if I'm going 80s, like, like literally Ted McGinley from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> A little more modern, I thought maybe, I forget the actor's name, but Steve from um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. I think his name is Steve, or is that the actor's yeah, name? No, um, uh, Joe Keery. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, I, I, we have to get a Stranger Things actor in here someplace. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you know it's like there, there are a few to choose from, in fact. Um, but he did from one season to the next, he played like the dickish menacing villain and also kind of the charming. He did. He's got the range the where... So. It's true, because like you, you look at him, and it's like even when he's a dick, he's like he's kind of likable. So um, he would be kind of good in that role. I think he can he can pull off um, pretty boy, but also like you know a little. And we know he can do an '80s throwback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think those are, are those are the major characters. I can't. I think we've hit them yeah, all. Yeah, I think that's everybody, unless you want to throw in Sir Robin or Sir Not appearing in this film. <laughs> I mean, it would be thematic because that was you know also middle not middle ages. Why did I say that? That's Arthur. That's literally Arthur. <laughs> I'm like it's also a medieval thing, so it's you know it's thematic, but it's like no, it's, I, it's the same. We've gone on a, too many tangents in this episode already, but I have one more which I had written down from the beginning, and I forgot to bring this up because I hadn't I had an idea that kind of dovetails with this mm-hmm. of like a modern retelling of Knights of the Round Table, where you know like the crown jewels have been stolen, and the queen calls her knights, and they're like Sir Elton John and Sir Paul <laughs> <Paul> McCartney <laughs> and like Sir Mix a Lot. It's like some like legitimately threatening, like there's like a nuclear bomb set to go off in London. Elton John's like, I'll rewrite Candle in the Wind. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. And then it's uh, it's like there's there's a, a bomb out to go off. And it's like, well, um, he's like, yeah, even white boys got to shout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do other people have a sir in their name? I'm trying to think of other sirs that could appear in it. Patrick Stewart, <laughs> Sir Ian McKenna. Yeah, they're all actors. I don't know. They're, they're all like, actors, um, right? Yeah, all, all of the knights I'm looking in Google searches for are like Sir Ben Kingsley. and uh... Anyone can be a knight these days. They're knighting everyone. Didn't they just knight J.K. Rowling? Or am I thinking, or did she become something else? They made her like a duchess oh, or a vizier I, or something. I think, I think Grand, Day, Grand Dom is the... Oh, Grand... You know, really? 
Oh, is that a thing? I thought that was just what well, they kids meant. Judy Dench. Oh, that's right. You know, she like, is, she's... That's, the, that's the equivalent. And I feel like I feel like she's the one who sends out the uh, the Knights of the Round Table on their missions. Actually, yeah, she's got that kind of. Um, I was gonna say she's got that M energy from Bond, but then I realized, oh wait, didn't she actually play? M? There's a reason. There's a reason for that. Well, that explains it. I was, I was about to like, I was about to re-engineer the wheel there. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, she is M. That's why she feels like M. You're doing uh, the thing where, like Silicon Valley has come up with a revolutionary idea where you put meat between two slices of bread. It's gonna. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna disrupt the sandwich <laughs> business by this time putting yeah the meat between the bread. It's a whole new paradigm. All right, well, now we're getting to a whole different King Arthur movie. So let's stick with what we have. Surf's up 80s teen comedy with uh, that 80s teen heartthrob, Charles Dance. Yeah. Also starring um, a bunch of other people who I should have written down. <laughs> well, I did. I've got, uh, we've got, in random order, Aubrey Plaza, Jeff Bridges, Chris Truman's Plass, Owen Wilson. I think I didn't write down a few suggestions. All right, so that's our movie. Thanks again to Bitter Corella. If you have any thoughts on Surf's Up or any ideas for any more 80s medieval night movies that need to get made. Hit us up on Twitter at YMovie. You can find my column wiki wormhole in the AV Club every Sunday. You can hear my weekly radio show, more great music, and other lesser podcasts on subjectmedia.org. And you can find the Midnight Society on Twitter at midnight underscore pals. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep yourself sane. We'll be back next time on... Why, 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 why is this not a movie?